I'm gonna vomit on the mic. They get British. <laughs> Excuse me while I vomit on my mic. <laughs> That's gonna be the intro for this episode. Oh my god. Hello, hello. Hi, how you doing? Are you asking me or is that like a rhetorical question to our listeners? It's both. If you're listening, pause, let us know. And yeah. um, check in, be mindful. Yeah. Now that you've unpaused, Mo, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I have the next three days off. Ooh. So we'll see what I what I do with that time. I think most of it will be dedicated to finishing our book club book. Um, <laughs> How's it going? By the end of today, I think that I'll be halfway through, and then I will have to read a quarter on Monday and a quarter on Tuesday, mm-hmm. which I believe that I can do firmly. Yeah. I have faith. I think you can do yes. it. I'm very excited to read Joy in the Book Club. Oh my gosh. Nobody cares about this well, <laughs> but I had to step out because the last book was not available on audiobook, and I work too much to be able to actually sit down and read because I need to multitask, so I'm very excited to rejoin as the next pick is Moe's, and it is available on audiobook. Yes. Um, if you're familiar with this, you are probably a part of the dirtbag left <laughs> is the culture of narcissism. Yeah, and I totally got that recommendation from Anna Kachian of Red Scare. Yeah. Not personally. I do not know her personally. <laughs> I just listen. Speaking of podcasts, shall we start this episode off? Yeah. I mean, we're doing a really important movie. It's almost like quarantine mm-hmm. if you think about it. It's about people being distant from each other but still staying connected. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. I have its time, really. Yeah. So today we're doing the 2005 classic Sister of the Traveling Pants. This was actually our first official movie recommendation. So thank you, Olivia, for the recommendation. Oh, yeah. Thanks, girl. It was actually a lovely movie. We really needed to do this movie after two huge stinkers. Yeah. We need to redeem ourselves after Camp Rock and Bride Wars really <laughs> did a number on us. Yeah. I think the Bride Wars episode, though, is really like spunky. We kind of like <laughs> pop off. Troll it. Yeah. We pop off. Just demolish the movie yeah. to shreds. But this is a good movie. Yeah. This movie was directed by Ken Quapis, who also did a lot of stuff. He worked on The Office. He did Malcolm in the Middle. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good director and he's done some good stuff. Yeah. Definitely a man of um, many situational comedic moments. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I would say he just does a very realistic job directorially. Mm-hmm. I appreciate Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, I love that yeah. show. I had the biggest crush on Frankie Muniz when I was a kid. No way. <laughs> yeah, oh my I God. feel like he's so much shorter than you in real life. Yeah, but I was short when I was a kid, so no it fair. was fun. But yeah, shall we talk about the core four, the main cast yeah. members? It's kind of insane, the collection of cast members at this time, because... yeah. Um, Alexis Bledel was Rory Gilmore, star of Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. What's her name? Blake Lively was star of Gossip Girl. Well, not yet, because this was like her first role. But Oh, really? Gossip Girl was later. This was like her breakout. I didn't know this was pre-Gossip Girl. I don't know when Gossip Girl came out. Gossip Girl came out while we were in middle school. I think oh. like 2008. Really? I feel old. 
Yeah, I remember watching it in secret on the computer because my mom wouldn't let me watch yeah. it on TV. Well, they all went on. Yeah, they all went on to be really big in TV because like America Ferrera did Ugly Betty, which I loved. That was one mm-hmm. of my favorites. And then Amber Tamblyn was in something. I don't remember what it was. Joan of Arcadia. Yes. She was a star of that show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're all like still super close to this day. They get together. They plan each other's bachelorette parties and like baby showers and all that kind of stuff. I think the bond that they have is super clear. Yeah, in the movie. It's like they've known each other for years, even though they yeah. met for the first time on set. And Blake Lively was just 18 when they shot this. Yeah, she's the youngest one, which is wild because she looks like the oldest one in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think about our lives, or my life, I guess, when I was 16. <laughs> what a terrible time. Mm-hmm. No, it was fine. It was fine. It was like... I think just looking back, you kind it's like hindsight's twenty twenty, especially yeah. when you're a teenager. I was dating this guy and it was like when you're sixteen you just like do stupid shit and like I dated a guy who <laughs> it's actually a little funny because like when I was watching Rami, you know, the TV mm-hmm. show. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, this is like reminiscent of some of the experiences I had because I was dating someone who was like very strictly Muslim. And uh, right. it was like a secret. And that was like not good for my mental health. Like, right. I'm also like, he probably shouldn't, I shouldn't have been dating him. He shouldn't have been dating me. Like it was a bad choice all around. And then I went to an arts intensive that summer and I kissed a girl and I dyed my hair pink. Hell yeah. I know. What a time. <laughs> a landmark time for you. Meanwhile, when I was 16, I was doing absolutely nothing. Um, I was a dork. So <laughs> I was just like a chase young gal. I didn't go through puberty until I was a little bit mm-hmm. older. So when I was 16, things started to happen. I like got really tall because I was super short for a really long time. And now I'm like 5'7". So it's like strange to think that I was once the short friend when I'm now always like on the taller end. Yeah. But yeah, I got tall. Lost some of my middle school baby fat. I got boobs. That was oh very exciting. Great boobs. Gotta, gotta compliment <laughs> the you. babes, the pair. <laughs> yep. They really... They made me wait for it, but it all paid off yeah. in the end. Yeah. I was not very exciting. I was very quiet. I would basically be like the Lena and I'd be like, okay, I feel like on the inside I'm a Carmen and everyone's like, no, you're a Lena. I can see that like, for well, you. Okay. I don't know who I, I feel like I'm more of like, um, at least at that time, definitely more of a Tibby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I definitely outwardly act more like a Lena. Which now I'm fine with because she has like a wonderful Grecian romance. Oh my God. And yeah. I'm like, I'm down for that. But yeah, I'm like a Carmen son with Alina rising. I feel like I relate so much to Carmen and I like see things in her that resonate yeah. emotionally. I like um, Blake Lively's character. Bridget. Yeah. Bridget is like, I think she's so fun. Like, I would have loved to have been friends with mm-hmm. her. Just like taking control of every like situation and stuff. Mm-hmm. Even when it's not super healthy, but I can relate mm-hmm. to like having like a one track mind and just going for it. Totally. I think, was it last year? I can't remember, but our friend Nora was like, guys, I have a pair of pants. Oh my God. <laughs> and I think they're going to fit all of us. <laughs> I just want to preface like and they do. It was like stretchy, like gauchos, <laughs> gauchos. bro. She's <laughs> really like traveling gauchos. I bet that she doesn't have them anymore. I bet she tossed yeah. them. I haven't seen Nora wear them in ages. 
Yeah. But they did fit all of us, even though we all are actually very different builds yeah. and heights and whatnot. So it is possible. Yeah. Jeans, mm, a different story. But yeah. Yeah. You you try on the pair and you're like, Mariah, try these on. And I put them on and then I like cuff them like, <laughs> and I spend two minutes cuffing them. I'm like, oh my God, they, they're they like totally different on me. They don't fit. <laughs> and then I'm like, hey, Emery, try on these pants. And she's like, it's just simply not working out. And they have a rule against cuffing the pants. You can't cuff the pants. And I'm like, what? damn, I cuff all my pants, so mm, it's not going to work for me. But I guess they are like boot cut, like flared pants. Oh, yeah. So I wouldn't cuff those. You wouldn't. Yeah. I wish that there were pants, a pair of pants that would work, though. How cool would that be? Yeah, it would be cool. We're about to talk all about these pants anyways, so I digress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's kick it off. Kick it up. Another movie. Yeah, that... <laughs> another America Ferrer yes. movie. All right. So America Ferrer acts as a narrator of sorts throughout this movie. Yes. And she opens it up by talking about how the pants were destined to find them that fateful summer. And there's like a sewing machine a whirring in the background, just crafting the magical pants. And she says perhaps the pants sensed how much they needed a miracle. Cut to the four girls walking arm in arm down the street. Carmen talks about how they've been a foursome since before they were born because their mothers were all in a prenatal yoga class and they were pregnant AF. Yeah, they all had like the same due date. Mm -hmm. They talk about how Bridget was born first. She likes to take charge. And then the rest of them fall within the week. And I'm like, I wonder what month they were born in because yeah. I'm so curious about their birth charts. Because they would be fairly similar unless, like, it was a cusp mm -hmm. situation. They would have different sun signs. But what I saw on the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants Wikipedia is that Tibby was born in September. Yeah. So they're all either Virgos or Libras. I bet they're Virgos. That's as far as we get. Because I could see Virgos being very mm -hmm. different personalities. Yeah. And I think that Carmen is, like, so clearly an earth sign to me. Although I don't know if she would be a Virgo. Anyways, it's not important. It's <laughs> Guys, send us your birth charts and we'll talk to you about different um, 2000s movies yes. that relate. <laughs> Maybe that could be our new like review incentive yeah. thing. Anyways, <laughs> so the girls are the best of friends. They're always there for each other. We see like when Carmen's dad leaves her family, like Jesus she calls Christ. Lena. I know. And she's like, it's going to be okay. I'll stay on the phone with you until you fall asleep. It's already gut-wrenching. We see, like, Tibby making a home movie about being pissed off that her mom is having another baby. And young Tibby is played by, um, what's her name? Chloe Grace Mortz. Yes. I was like, whoa, I did not mm -hmm. remember that was you. We then see some more. Uh, they're a little bit older. They're at Bridget's mom's funeral because she passed away due to suicide. Bridget is grieving. It's horrible, but her friends are there for her. Then we go to present day. The girls are walking arm in arm. All together, they make one complete person. They're 16 and they've never been apart. Yes. They go into this cute little thrift store on Main Street and they talk about their summer plans. Lena's going to Greece. Bridget is going to soccer camp. And Carmen is visiting her dad in South Carolina. But Tibby, poor, poor pre-scene Tibby, <laughs> is working at Wellman's all summer and she's shooting her documentary. So someone teases Lena about wearing a bikini in Greece on the beach and Carmen spots a pair of jeans and she tosses them to Tibby to make her try them on. And Tibby's like, 
right? They're amazing. I look fucking bomb. <laughs> so she gets Lena to try them on and they're like, oh my God, we couldn't see your body under all that fabric. <laughs> um, because at this point in the movie, she dresses like a Mormon. Yes. And <laughs> then they get Bridget to try them on. Everything looks good on Blake Lively. Yeah. But then they get Carmen to try on the jeans. She's like, girl, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I, I did, did it. it. <laughs> <laughs> and they look great on her. Everyone fits into the jeans. So that night, they sneak into the yoga studio where their moms met and they light a bunch of candles. It kind of looks like a seance. But they want to honor the gift that they've received on the eve of their separation. Carmen says a prayer and they pull out the pants and decide that they're going to share the pants over the summer. Bridget is like, sisters of the pantalones. So they make a manifesto. These are the rules. So they keep the pants for the week, starting with Lena. No picking your nose in the pants. You have to write a letter with the pants that says the most exciting thing that happened while you were wearing them. And then when they reunite, they're going to document all the events on the pants. Any removal of the pants must be done by the wearer. The pants can't be washed. Awful. No double cuffing. You can't wear a shirt and a belt tucked in. You can't say you look fat while wearing the pants. And then the last rule, which isn't really a rule, <laughs> Lena just says, pants equal love. That sounds like a limited yeah. to, um, like something that would be on a t-shirt limited to. <laughs> pants equals love. Oh my God. Yeah. So then we get a montage of everyone leaving for the summer. They blow the candles. And everyone's on their way. Yes. The first trip we see is Lena. She's trekking up a hill in this beautiful Grecian village. And she's on a donkey with her papu, which is, I'm assuming, grandfather in Greek. Mm -hmm. Then she falls off the donkey and her whole, like, family, everyone who's waiting for her, <laughs> picks her up. And they, like, bring her to the house. And Yaya comes down to greet her. She's like, my Lena, my Lena. I thought I would die before seeing you again. Yeah. And <laughs> Lena goes into the room she's staying in. It's stunning. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. I want to go to Greece so bad. It's fucking gorgeous. At least where this movie was shot, it's so beautiful. I don't know if they shot it there, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be Santorini. Okay. But I'm not sure. Sorry to anyone who is from Greece that's listening. Yeah. I don't know if it was on a soundstage if they filmed it. No, because they filmed it in Greece during the Olympics. Oh, okay. Yeah. So next we see Bridget. She's on the bus to soccer camp in Mexico. They're all singing La Bamba. And Bridget only really joins in when they're like, La Bamba. <laughs> then she just kind of mouths along otherwise. So they get to camp. They meet the soccer coaches and Bridget is immediately drawn to this yeah. young male coach. His name is Eric. And she's like, I know what I'm going to do this summer. Him. <laughs> and then she like tosses her hair as she runs by. And I'm like, wow, what a bold, brazen young woman. Literally brazen. Could never be me. Then we get to Carmen. She gets off the train and her father picks her up at the station. He looks so excited to see her. And on the drive to his house, Carmen is just fucking palpitating with the <laughs> joy of seeing her father. She shows him her report card. I think she says, like, I got it remailed so that I could open it. Yeah. Like, just so you could open. Oh, my uh. God. I'm, like, having a horrible time. Uh. So... <laughs> 
She's like, I've been practicing tennis. We're going to have so much fun playing together. Um, This is the first time she's spending more than four days with her father since she was 10. And let me stress, I cannot stress this enough. (sighs) Carmen could not be more excited. Yeah. So then they pull up to this like giant suburban home that he now Mm -hmm. lives in and outruns this woman who apparently is his fiance. Her name is Lydia. She's like the whitest woman that's ever lived. And I'm like, sir, why would you blindside your daughter like that? Like in what world do you expect that to go well? Where? In what world? There's no upsides to this. Do you think that she was going to pull up and be excited? Ugh, I hate him. Anyways. I hate him. So this woman, she has two kids, Krista and Paul. And Carmen's dad is like, oh, by the way, we're getting married this August. So get on board. Bro, what? Yeah. Hey, I know how excited you are to see me. So I've purposefully planned a date where I would need you to attend. Mm. Well, not to your knowledge or anything, of course, but no, you will be not. in the bridal party. Surprise, this is a TLC reality show. That's what it feels like. <laughs> the title of the show is, hello, my name is Carmen and my life is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> So cut to Wellman's in Maryland. Tibby's using her price marker on some hygiene products and she's got some pads and tampons. She's price tagging and her manager walks by and he's like, put on your headset. So she sticks a sticker on her forehead and then she hears a thud in another aisle. So she walks over and she's like, holy fuck, this girl is passed out. She's like a 10 year old girl passed out, pissed herself. She's like, I don't know. She just like calls for help. She's not equipped. Yeah. And so they're taking out this girl who fell in the aisle. She looks up as she goes to the hospital and she's just like, you have a price sticker on your forehead. Tibby can't catch a break. (laughs) No. So back in Greece, Lena is sketching on the dock. She's like scandalized by all these like hot Greek people that are just like topless or like making out or whatever. She's like, oh, my stars. Literally, yeah. And then she spots this hot guy on the boat and she like leans over in her stool to look and then she leans too far and then like falls into the water and somehow the jeans get like caught on this mm-hmm. metal hook or something. The boot cut does not make it out of the water, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, maybe if you cuff them. Many are saying. So the jeans are caught. The hottie from the boat jumps in and saves her life brings her onto his boat like gives her like a giant t-shirt to wear he works for his grandfather in the summer but he goes to the college in athens his name is kostas dunas he's like a real greek god honestly oh my god he's so hot it's it's upsetting honestly lena's like oh my god how's your english so good and he's like oh i lived in chicago till i was 12 lena then explains like she's visiting for the summer and then kostas has her like help him throw the small fish back into the ocean. Lena's like kind of grossed out at first, but then they like touch hands and she's like, mm, the sparks are flying. And then she's like, got a blast and then jumps yeah. out of the boat. And he's like, oh, I would love to take you out dancing. And and she's like, no. Can you imagine? You're 16. You're in Greece. This like beautiful Gorgeous. man saves your life and then wants to take you out dancing. Bro. And you say no, like I would die. When I was growing up, I never, never had a man come up to me on a family vacation trying to flirt with me. Never. And I always, always was like, I fucking, it was like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the TikTok where they're like, 
My whole family took a trip to Italy and we're all eating dinner except for my sister who's sitting over there on the bench alone. And then it's like the Lana Del Rey thing where it's like, I'm fucking crazy, but at least I'm free. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. Uh, I'll send it but to I you. Can, I can imagine. Meanwhile, at camp, Bridget has absolutely no qualms with seducing a man. None. And unwritten plays, they're all running down the beach because it's soccer camp, so they're athletic. And Bridget is trying to impress the cute coach, and she introduces herself and asks about Columbia. And she's like, well, what do you know about me? I was like, ugh, (laughs) presumptuous. But it works because he knows. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, you're the most valuable player, the MVP. And she's like, yeah, and I'm 17. I was like, oh, Oh my my God. God. She's so bold. The audacity. (laughs) Even as like a a full adult woman, I'm like, I couldn't do that. To do that as a teen, like, yeah. So they sit on the sand. Oh, sorry. Um, let me let me actually finish it off. They're racing each other now. She's like, I'm going to yeah. race you, which I just want to say is like a 5'2 gal. I can't fucking <laughs> do that. Like, I could never flirt with a guy and be like, I'll race you unless they were so out of shape. Because even if I'm fast, like, I just can't move my legs that fast. Like, move the wingspan is not equivalent. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can never do that, but that's just because I would never want a man to see me at my absolute worst, which is when I'm exercising. So I know Blake Lively <laughs> finishes the run. She's like, ah, uh, that was amazing. Seven miles. No. <laughs> no. I'm like <laughs> I'm I'm physically ill. I like crawl to the end of the beach. I'm like, that was amazing. <laughs> Seven miles. I like vomit on his shoes. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, and so then they're like, they both love to run, and she's like, it feels like nothing can touch you. I'm like, are we dead yet? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Back in South Carolina, Carmen is having like a family dinner with her dad and Lydia and Krista. Lydia has them all hold hands to say grace. Then the phone rings, and Carmen gets up to get it, and Lydia's like, no, we don't answer the phone during dinner. And then Krista is like, except that one time, like, tell us the story, how you met. Oh, my God. Ugh. I already can't stand her. She She's provokes. The worst. She's a provoker. Yeah. So they tell the story. Turns out they met because dad dialed the wrong number, and then Lydia picked up, and then the four of them went bowling on their first date. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Seems weird to me, but I guess it all worked out. But Carmen's just like, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, after dinner, Carmen calls her mom and she tells her what's going on. And she's like, it is like, I do not know my father at all. And Carmen's mom is like, you just need to talk to him like you talk to me um, because she's actually honest with her mother. So... Mm-hmm. They're, like, talking a little bit longer, and Carmen's mom starts to get upset. And Carmen, obviously not wanting to be wrong as a 16-year-old, is like, stop. You never want him to be happy. This is all going to work out fine. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Carmen. You're playing You're yourself, playing girl. Yourself. So back in Greece, Lena writes her pants letter to Tibby and says that we were wrong about the pants because the one time I wore them, I almost drowned. And then I got plucked onto a fishing boat where a guy made me touch a live fish. Oh, yeah, Lena. (laughs) Lena, that sucked, didn't that? You are framing this in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Don't pretend you didn't like it. You did. Okay. You liked touching his hand. You also left out that like he's gorgeous. Yeah. 
and saved your life. So Yaya finds Costas's shirt in the laundry and she's like, oh, Lena, is this yours? And Lena's like, oh, I borrowed it. And Yaya's like, oh, from a boy? Tell me more. Yeah, she's like excited for her. And all her cousins are like straining to hear. Lena's like, okay, his name is Costas. She's like, oh, Costas, who? And she's like, Donas. And everyone's like, oh, what the fuck? Oh my God, absolutely not. Apparently it's like a Romeo, Juliet situation everyone's yelling in greek yaya's like you cannot see him and she's like okay and she's like no like your grandfather would die if he knew you just swear you'll never see him again and lena's like okay what a severe thing to say meanwhile at wellman's well it's actually to be house but she's reviewing her documentary and this footage is like a tad rough she's interviewing a waitress in this clip it's not looking good and then the doorbell rings, and it's the girl who passed out in the store holding a package addressed to Tibby's house. Turns out she lives down the street, and Tibby realizes who she is, and she introduces herself as Bailey. And Tibby's like, oh, hold on a second. I actually have your wallet. And she gives her the wallet back, and this girl's like, mm, I don't know. I think I had a little more cash in here. I'm like, the audacity. <laughs> the disrespect. They make him real bold in Maryland, I guess. Yeah. I always found this weird because she ends up being like this super sweet girl later on. So I feel like it doesn't match her character to be like, I think you might have stole some money from my wallet. Yeah. But they argue about the wallet for a hot sec and then it ends up waking up Tibby's younger sister. So Bailey's like, it must suck to babysit on your day off. And she starts sparking a conversation with Tibby and Tibby's like, okay, I'll explain to you my documentary. And Bailey is like, can I be a PA? Can I help you? Can I be your assistant? And Tibby is like... She's like, fuck no. (laughs) So back in South Carolina, Carmen is riding on the porch. Her dad comes down and joins her. And he's like, hey, do you want to play tennis tomorrow? Things are looking up. Everything's good. Dad's making an effort. Then in the morning, they're on their way out, super excited. And Lydia's like, oh, I have to deal with some wedding stuff. Can you stop by Paul's soccer game? And Carmen's like, are you kidding me? But then they go. At the game, Carmen is annoyed, but she's still being a really good daughter. Um, the game is going into overtime, and she can literally like see the minutes of her father-daughter bonding time going away. Then her dad actually talks with this other dad, and he's like, which one's yours? And he's like, oh, that one over there. And he's like, ah, golden boy Paul. I'm like, you could not be more mm-hmm. clueless. Yeah. <sighs> So Lydia comes in, of course, and she's like, it was a water main break at the venue. I don't know what we're going to do about the wedding. And apparently this is when we find out that Lydia is really, you know, worried about the wedding because her father died before she could see her first wedding. But I'm also mm-hmm. like, that doesn't mean your daughter doesn't have feelings. So let's get let's get your shit together, maybe. Yeah. So I guess the dad has to, like, go and comfort her or help her. Like, deal with it or whatever. Yeah. So dad is like, oh, I have to go with Lydia. You go play tennis with Paul. Carmen's like, excuse me? So they go and play tennis. And Carmen is taking all of her frustration out in the game. And then she, like, completely nails Paul (laughs) in the face with a tennis ball. And he then says his first and only words the whole movie. He's just like, it's okay. Literally, yeah. That's it. It's the only time we hear him speak. I wonder what the screen test is like for that. Yeah. (laughs) So back at soccer camp, uh, they're doing headbutt drills. Bridget is doing everything she can to interact with this coach. There's a little flirt, flirt, flirt. She plays in this scrimmage and she is like going for it. Play after play after play. She's killing it. The team actually bows down to her on the field. 
it really puts a target on your back to the coaches when you're like eating up all of the like I don't even know what that's called yeah 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 attention (laughs) like she's eating up all the attention that she's getting from her other like camp mates and stuff like that so the coach calls her over she's like stop hogging the ball and let others play this is like a team you're playing a game then Bridget notices Eric looking at her so she's like actually um you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna pour water all over myself and she flips her hair bold oh my god I poured water on myself bro I look like a fucking drowning dog Yeah, it looked like a drowned rat would not be a cute look. But she's Blake Lively, so of course she still looks amazing. I saw this interview a couple years ago. Someone was like, how'd you do your hair? Like, what do you do? And she's like, actually, like, I put conditioner in it and then I don't rinse it out. And I was like, what? (laughs) If only you could see, like, the shocked look on my face right now. (laughs) Excuse me? Uh, Excuse me? Come again? That's insane. I can't hear that. I can't know that. I'm just going to eject that information right on my brain. Never heard it. Anyways, so back in Greece, um, at the pier, Lena is like going back and forth like, oh, should I, what should I do with this shirt? So she's going to leave the shirt on the pier, but then she's like, oh no, like maybe I'll pull his boat in and leave it there. So she <laughs> starts like pulling it in by the rope, but like it's not doing anything. And then Kosas comes up behind her and he like helps her reel it in. And she turns around and it's like, oh my God, here's your shirt. Bye. And he's like, wait, I want to take you out. And she's like, no, you knew who I was. You knew my name. Like our families hate each other. And he's like, that has nothing to do with us. Apparently, like, the clash is about fish and money. Like, Lena's grandfather ripped off Kosas's grandfather, but then Kosas's grandfather gave her father, like, bad fish. I don't know. It's like, everyone got sick. Yeah. It's messy. So he's like, that has nothing to do with us. And Lena's like, well, it does matter. And then walks away. Lena, it doesn't matter. The classic tale of fish and cash. Oh, classic. I want to hear the story where it's like, well, they were both scamming offshore bank accounts by (laughs) laundering money in with frozen fish. I'd watch that. But meanwhile at Wellman's, (laughs) Tibby gets another warning at work and I think it's about receipts. Receipt slips. Receipt withholding. Yeah, receipt withholding. And she sees Bailey outside with all of her gear. Bailey really wants to help her and she convinces Tibby to let her. And Bailey is like, I have a lead on an interview. So she takes Tibby to a quick mart and shows her Brian McBrien. Uh, Brian McBrien. He is the king of Utragon's lair and he has broken every record there is. He spends a lot of his time playing and Tibby comes up behind him and begins asking questions, but they're kind of like pointed and mildly insulting. Yeah. So then Bailey jumps in and like gets Brian to like tell them more about the game, soften things up. And he explains that you are Dirk the Daring in 1305 AD and you have to rescue the princess Daphne who's being guarded by the sinister dragon. He's like super passionate about the game. It's like really captivating for them to watch. They get super into it. Then they realize that the cameras run out of film. So like, I guess we can come back tomorrow. And like, Bailey, good job. You nailed it. Yeah, Bailey's kind of chill. She's a chiller. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Brian McBrien is just yeah, want- the best. This is a Brian McBrien stand podcast. <laughs> yeah, I want to date Brian McBrien. We should make stickers or something. Yeah. I want to date Brian McBrien. Oh my gosh. Amazing. So back in South Carolina, Carmen comes downstairs in the morning. She is in a great mood. She's like, we're going to turn this motherfucking shit around. She's speaking in Spanish. She's like, hola, papi, da-da-da, como estas? 
And Lydia and Krista stare and they're like, what? They're like, what? it's like an earthquake has occurred. And her father, which I think is like so disgusting, won't even engage with her in Spanish because mm-hmm. um, it turns out he speaks Spanish as well. But he's like, sweetie, like no one else understands what you're saying. And Krista is like, is she speaking Spanish? I'm like, you live in America. You live in South Carolina. Homie, you've never heard the language. You're living under a rock. I hate her. So to break the tension that she created herself, Lydia's like, Carmen, guess what? We're going to have the wedding right here, right here at home in the backyard. And Carmen's like... Okay, cool. By the way, where's Paul? Because he's nowhere to be seen. They're super evasive. And they're like, oh, he has an appointment. And then the dad is on his way out. And Carmen's like, dad, what's going on? Where is Paul? Turns out he's in Atlanta visiting his dad who's in rehab currently. Paul goes to visit him once a month, but Krista refuses. So when she's around, they just say that Paul is out for the day. Mm -hmm. Which is like a very heavy storyline. I kind of forgot about it, honestly. That honestly makes more sense to me about Krista's character because it seems like for her it's really important that her mom marries Carmen's father. Yeah. It's like she's like super invested in this whole thing because I bet she wants a different dad. Totally. Back in Mexico at soccer camp, everyone is getting mail and care packages and they're like, oh, look, my mom got me shampoo. Oh my God, my mom got me all this like these treats and stuff. And meanwhile, Bridget gets a short letter from her father, pre-cell phone era. Honestly, lucky that it's pre-cell phone era. But she overhears Eric talking about how he has Saturday off and how they're going to go to the cantina. And Bridget also reeling from missing her mother because she didn't get a care package, right? She's like, girls, he wants me to go to the cantina. Bit of a stretch, Bridge. Yeah. But like every time she does something like this, I'm like, ooh, bit of a stretch. But then the end, she's right. Yeah. Like, he was happy to see her there later on. So, go off, I guess. So, back in Maryland, Tibby and Bailey are reviewing the footage. Bailey's excited, but Tibby's like, none of this is usable. Bailey then finds the pants. And Tibby's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bailey's like, oh, can I try them on? And Tibby's like, yeah, whatever. I just need some quiet. So, Bailey goes and tries on the pants. She is, of course, drowning in them because she's, you know, 10. And then she sits down to record herself on Tibby's camera. The next scene is Tibby writing her letter to Carmen. In a voiceover, Tibby says that nothing eventful happened while she wore the pants. The only mildly interesting thing that did happen was that she met Bailey, who's a huge pain in her ass. But it's clear that Bailey is trying to find the best in all of her interviewees. And Bailey definitely has an energy that pessimistic Tibby is lacking. Yeah. Like, she's really helping her, whether Tibby knows it or not. So back in South Carolina, it's the morning, and Lydia comes in and wakes up Carmen, and she's like, oh, Maria just needs to grab your shades. She really does have a Southern accent, guys. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, I tried to tell her that you like to sleep in, but her English isn't so good. Ugh. Jesus. So Carmen's like, it's fine. I can wash my own sheets. Lydia's like, no, no, no. She can do it. And Carmen's like, I can do it. I've been doing it for years. I'm so used to it. People wash their own sheets all the time. It's a little tense. And Lydia's like, okay. Ah, skirt, skirt. Lydia doesn't seem to be outwardly an awful person. I think she's just super yeah. ignorant. Yeah, definitely. So back in Greece, Lena is pretending to sketch in a fish market when Kostas shows up and she's like, "Mm, 
girl, you went to the fish market to see him. No one likes the smell of a fish mm-hmm. market. No. And she inches her stool closer so that he'll notice her. And he's like, excusez-moi. And she's like, I'm just here to sketch that church. Not for you. Yeah, right. He sees the sketch and he's really impressed. And he's like, you're an artist. But it turns out his parents got married at that church. And it also turns out that they were killed in a car accident when he was 12. And that's why he moved back to Greece, still with his grandparents. Costas asks her why she picked the church. And she says, when you first look at it, it looks kind of forgotten. But then you realize that's why it's beautiful. It's perfect in all its loneliness. And he's like, oh my god. So she's like, I better go before my grandparents see me. And he says, are you afraid of them? Or is it something else? And we're like, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. So back at her house, Lena's catching some more. She's watching her grandparents be really cute together. So she writes her letter to Carmen. And she talks about how like part of her wants to let Kosas in. I'm just going to read this quote because I don't want to paraphrase it. She says... Maybe that's what strikes me most about Kostas, that despite everything he suffered, he can still look at life in the most uncomplicated way. I've never known that kind of faith. It makes me sad that people like Kostas and Bridget, who have lost everything, can still be open to love, while I, who have lost nothing, am not. Then she has this really like emotional, cathartic moment. She's crying. It's like a realization moment. She takes off all her clothes and jumps into the ocean. Kostas sees her. She like beckons him to come. He jumps in. And it's just like, oh, my God, this is a dream. This is a dream. Uh, Can you imagine you go to Greece and this beautiful man is, like, falling in love with you? I, like, can imagine being single and going to Greece and having this happen to me as, like, a 20, 20, I don't know how old I am. I'm 24. But I feel like I'm too jaded to even let this happen to me. Like, I feel like I'd be like, oh, my God, you're a predator or, like, you just will cheat on me like so soon because I do not live here and you can just cheat on me because I don't live here. Like, I feel like that's that would be my like initial <laughs> reaction. Yeah. Well, I'd probably be like stranger danger. Like I'm in a foreign country and yeah, you could murder me. That would be my fear. Oh, but it's so beautiful. I'm so yeah. serious. Just watch the movie. Fast forward to the scene where she's like, who've lost everything and still be open to love and she's like sobbing in the cheeks the tears are on the cheeks and she like "Ah." one thing i actually really like about lena's storyline is when you think of like the serious storylines you think of like carmen and tibby yeah but the really great thing about lena's is that it's about like a young woman coming into her sexuality and being able to open up to somebody in that way Mm -hmm. and we look at lena from start to finish it's like total transformation day and night yeah so i think it's a really great storyline and i don't think it gets the credit that it deserves definitely Back in Maryland, after work, Tibby exits, and she doesn't see Bailey anywhere. Um, She's normally waiting there with all the stuff. So Tibby goes up to Bailey's door, and no one's home. And then the gossipy next-door neighbor tells Tibby Bailey's at the doctor's. And she's like, I don't really know why, though, because they stopped treatment. And Tibby's like, what? And they're like, she has leukemia. I feel like you can't tell strangers like people's medical information like you can't do that especially a child oh yeah so back in south carolina karma gets home she walks past krista's door and krista and her friend are like giggling about carmen her friend is like is that her i hate awful i can't stand this but karma is super relieved because the pants have finally arrived yes 
In Mexico, Bridget sneaks out to go to the cantina. She spots Eric, walks over, literally gets him to dance with her. The other counselor saw he's like what? giving him the nod to like go ahead. No. And it's like, what is happening here? So Eric is clearly into it, but he comes to his senses and he's like, I can't do this and walks away. So then back in Greece, we have this lovely montage of Lena and Costas falling in love. He's teaching her how to ride his Vespa. They go shopping. They go fishing. She sketches him. Very intimate. She also starts taking some more fashion risks, meaning she's not dressing like a grandmother. Oh, yeah. And... She starts wearing her hair down, all curly. She realizes that, like, she has sex mm-hmm. appeal. She is a sexual being. It's a great transformation. Yeah. Back in Maryland, Tibby is interviewing a coworker, Bertie. She's asking her about the job, and Bertie is like, you know, it pays the bills, but I also work at a sweet shop. Bertie says that she experiments with the ice cream mixing machines and she has this um, new mix that she made as pralines, blueberries, and graham crackers. And Bailey is like, did you know that Baskin Robbins hires people to come up with new flavors and you would be great at it? Yeah. And it's just a really heartwarming moment because this woman is like, yeah, I hate working Mm -hmm. at the store. I need to make money. But what I love and my really my passion is like making these things that make people happy and taste good. Like, Bailey's just wise beyond her years. Yeah. So after the interview, Bailey's like, I'm sorry for butting in. I know you hate that. And Tibby's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And Bailey's like, "Okay, who told you like, you know? And Tibby's like, yeah, I know. So then Tibby's like, I have a couple more interviews if you want to join me. And then Bailey's like, are you only asking me because you feel sorry for me? And Tibby is honest and she's like, I don't know, maybe. And Bailey's like, okay. Yeah, I think Bailey appreciates her just being frank with her. Totally. And Tibby does like her. She's not just putting up with this girl because she has leukemia, but... Yeah, I think that Bailey and Tibby are drawn to each other in this weird juxtaposing way. So mm-hmm. back in South Carolina, Krista and Carmen are getting fitted for their bridesmaid dresses. And Krista loves her plain ass, boring <laughs> ass gown. Yeah. It's like an atrocious pink color. And then Carmen comes out wearing her gown. It doesn't fit because she was never measured. And she's like, I look like a tramp. And all the women in the store are like, oh, my God, oh, dear. Well, we need to let this weigh out and maybe get some extra fabric. And actually, we might as well just start from scratch. It's just like, bro, get your – the only reason they're so off, too, is because her father gave them measurements that were old because he was a coward and he didn't tell his daughter that he was getting married. Yeah, because he has not spent more than four days with her since yeah. she was 10. And then he probably hasn't seen her in like two years at this point. Oh, yeah. So Carmen goes to take it off, but she can overhear them talking about her in the dress. And Lydia's like, but I want the dresses to be uniform. She'll look like Crystal, right? And the seamstress calls Carmen the other one. Just like, oh, and the other one, da-da-da. And Carmen is like, excuse me, I have a name. It's Carmen. And she's like, you know what, Lydia? Just forget about the dress. It's okay. Just tell everyone that Carmen is Puerto Rican and it never occurred to you that she might be built differently. And that unlike you and your daughter, she has an ass. And I'm like, fucking pop off. Hell yeah, dude. And then she's like, or better yet, 
just tell everyone I don't exist. And then she runs out of the store. Yeah. So in Mexico at soccer camp, they're playing another game and Bridget is the sweeper, which means she can't go past a midfield. And in her voiceover, Bridget is like, I found a little hottie too. I don't care that he's off limits. I'm obsessed and I cannot. (laughs) She says, I'm obsessed and cannot be held responsible for my actions. I'm just a girl in love. I cannot be held responsible responsible for my my actions. actions. Oh my God. (laughs) A little shout out to um, all the Rachel Bloom fans yeah. out there, if you know what's Bro. up. Um, so Bridget doesn't listen to her coach in the game, and she makes the goal anyway. She, like, drives it to the goalie and kicks it over her head. So that night, she's on the beach, and she meets up with Eric and asks what he thought about her playing today. And he's like, you're intense, and that scares the hell out of me. Oh, my God. And she's like, single-minded to the point of recklessness. That's what my school shrink thought of me. And I was like, this is weird, but continue. (laughs) She tells him that she had to talk to the shrink after her mom passed away. And then they hold hands and she's like, just stay quiet for a minute. And then they race along the beach. So much racing. So then back in South Carolina, Carmen has, you know, run out of the bridal store. So she takes a cab home and the driver's like, do you have a key? It doesn't look like anyone's home. And she's like, oh yeah, they're probably all out looking for me. I'll just wait on the porch till they get home. I am fucking seething at this point. I am seething. Steam is coming out of my nose. Mm -hmm. I'm like physically ill. So she's sitting on the porch and she hears this like bombastic laughter. Bombastic. (laughs) Coming from inside the house. It's the only way I can describe it. So she goes around to the side and looks in the window and sees the four of them are just happily having dinner, having a great time, not a care in the world. Fuck these people. They don't give two shits about her. The fact that she like was by herself in an unfamiliar city with no cell phone and no one's like, maybe we should go look for her, this child. So Carmen starts to walk away, but then she stops. And she picks up a rock and she throws it right at the window. Good for you, Carmen. Hell yeah. You go, baby girl. So she then like runs off. She goes to the bus station and she calls Tibby and she leaves her message saying that everything sucks and she's coming home. In Maryland, Tibby and Bailey watch the stars and Bailey says that the stars tell her there has to be something more than life. Tibby turns to Bailey and asks if she's scared, but she says she's more afraid of not having enough time. She wants to find her place in the world and she's afraid of what she'll miss. This is where I cried the first time. This isn't the part I cried at, but I it was very emotional. Yeah, I cried here and then mm-hmm. again later on. I think just because like I know what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So then back in Greece... Lena sneaks out of her grandparents' house so that her and Kostas can have a romantic date night on his boat. And it is, like, so freaking adorable. He hung, like, string lights. Yeah, it's really cute. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Where do I find me one of these? So Lena is telling Kostas all about her friends. And then when she gets to Tibby, she says Tibby marches her own drum and she's jealous of her. And he's like, why? And she's like, because I don't always know who I am and I know who I want to be, though. And she tells him that all her life, everyone's seen her a certain way. And he says that he understands and that some people show off their beauty for the world to see while others hide it so the world sees something else. And so she's like, what do you see? And he says, everything. And then they kiss. And I'm like, wow, I would die. And then they kiss some more. Damn, I really need to move to Greece. Anyways, 
Back to Carmen. Carmen writes a letter to Bridget. She hopes that the pans bring her wisdom and sense. Carmen is back home and she hangs out with her mom on the porch and her mom is like holding her. She's like, I knew that he was like a jerk and like da da da. I don't want to say I told you so. And Carmen's like, so don't. Don't say I told you so. Yeah. She's freaking 16 and she wants to have a relationship with her father. So don't say I told you so. Mm-hmm. At Tibby's, Carmen talks to Tibby about her visit to her dad's and she explains how horrible it was. Paul hardly talks and Krista and Lydia are like sunshine twins. And while she was there, all they talked about was the wedding. And Tibby is defending Carmen, but also tries to get Carmen to see her father's perspective. And Carmen is like, I'm asking you to be on my side. And Tibby is like, well, you should talk to him instead of throwing a rock at him. And I was like, oh, maybe true, but also like very harsh. Yeah. So Carmen calls Tibby a hypocrite because she goes around saying, screw you to the world because that's easier than feeling something. And Tibby starts tearing up and she leaves. Lots of harsh things being thrown around. For real, yeah. So back in Mexico, Bridget gets the jeans. She's super excited. She tells the girls in her cabin that these pants are magic. They make things happen. So that night, she puts on the pants, gets all dolled up, leaves her cabin, passes by Eric's. He's, of course, awake. He sees her. Mm -hmm. And then he follows her to the beach, and they start, like, making out. And it's, like, implied that they have sex. Yeah, which I think that I honestly didn't understand when I first saw this movie. Yeah, it's subtle. And, like, many subsequent times, I did not understand (laughs) the implication. It's like, oh, did they just make out, or is it more? It was more. Back in Greece, Lena is sitting at a table, and she is, like, playing with a spool of honey, just smiling, and her relatives are like, she's getting too much sun. She looks a little crazy. Then (laughs) Lena goes and meets Costas for a date. She literally lets her hair down. They go dancing. Lena is finding confidence and, like, learning about herself and how she is sexually a human being. Like, she's just coming into her own, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And she asks if Kostas will stay another week, but he's like, my classes, they start on Monday. And he is like, guys, he tells her that he loves her. (laughs) Christina is like, her face right now i cannot believe it's the dream i'm like i am legitimately blushing right now like i feel the warmth on my cheeks just thinking about it so after this incredible moment lena's entire extended family busts into the restaurant everyone is like screaming they drag Lena out. I think that Papu spits at Costas. Yeah, he does. It's really intense. It's so funny. <laughs> it's very intense. So then Yaya like dunks Lena's head in water and she's like, he makes you drunk. And then she finds the like shirtless sketches of Costas. It's pretty bed. scathing. Ugh. It is like imagine being 16 and your parents finding oh my god no half naked sketches of a man i would never recover i think i would actually throw up out of fear yeah so lena then apologizes and yaya says in this life family is the most precious gift we get and if you turn your back on them you have nothing and then she like smacks the bed and like gets up and leaves mm-hmm. it's like the vibes are rancid rancid the vibes are rancid globally because in mexico bridget heads back to her bunk bed 
And she has a voiceover that says, It happened just as I always imagined it would. So why do I feel this way, Lena? Poor girl. Bridget feels empty. She wishes she could talk to her mom, and it scares her that she needs her mom. So back in Maryland, Tibby's waiting for Bailey to show up to do more interviews, and Tibby's mom drives up, and she's like, Bailey's in the hospital, and she's not doing well. Let me drive you so you can go see her. Tibby's like, oh no, I'll go later if I have time. Tibby... Let those walls down. Yeah. You really care about her. Back at Tibby's house, Carmen walks into Tibby's house and she is finally honest with her. She's like, I'm mad at my dad. It's very hard for me to admit. She apologizes for what she said to Tibby. And Tibby's like, maybe sometimes you have to be mad at the people that you trust because you know they'll always love you no matter what. And they make up and Carmen says Tibby's mom told her about Bailey. Tibby really starts to get emotional and she's like, Bailey drives me crazy, but she clearly cares about her so much and is really worried about her. Yeah. Back in Greece, Lena gets the pants and she decides that, like, she's going to stand up for what she wants. So she goes and follows Papu and she's like, listen, I know that everyone says I'm just like Yaya, but I think there's a big part of me that takes after you because you're quiet and stubborn and I just want to have the chance with Costas, mm-hmm. like the one that you did with Yaya. To risk everything for something beautiful yeah and he says his first line the whole movie he just says go so she hops on that vespa goes to like the the boarding boat boarding station that he's getting on she runs up he sees her they share this beautiful kiss she tells him that she loves him too He's like, I never thought I'd see you again because he's like going back to university i'm emotional it's a beautiful scene it is chef's kiss guys it's beautiful. Back in Maryland, Carmen and Tibby sit down. Tibby pushes the phone over to Carmen, and finally, Carmen calls her father. I'll, I'll read a little excerpt from it. Just tell me, Tad, what did I do wrong? Why did you leave? Why did you have to go? And then tell me that we were going to be closer, but that never happened. And why does Paul visit his alcoholic dad every month, but you only visit me twice a year? And I know you. You just seem so happy about being Paul and Krista's dad, but you never even had the time to be mine. She hangs up the phone. This moment, uh, America Ferreira is so good. She's great. It's impeccable. Like, for Carmen's character, I'm like, I can't even imagine the, like, bravery and strength that that Mm -hmm. took to be that honest with somebody that's hurt you so much that's supposed to, like, love you and protect you i'm like tearing up i can't i cannot speak about it any longer yeah it's yeah this whole half or i guess maybe it's like a third a quarter of the movie it's like when everything comes crashing down it i feel so invested and just like the tension is so palpable i feel like i'm right there with them experiencing all of these formative moments yeah you really go through it with them so back at work Tibby's coworker asks where Bailey is, and she's like, oh, a couple weeks ago I was having a really bad day, and she came up and talked to me, and, like, mm-hmm. I think that girl's special. So Tibby gets Lena's letter and the pants, and in the letter it says, the pants are magic, and if she lets them, they'll bring her magic too. So Tibby goes to the hospital to visit Bailey. Bailey is playing Dragon Slayer on a Game Boy because Brian dropped it off earlier that day. Brian McBrian. What a freaking gem. And Tibby's like, you know, you were right about Brian, and I was wrong. I'm wrong about most people. 
And Bailey says the most important thing is that she always changes her mind about them. Tibby shows her the pants and she tells her that Lena said they're magic, so it has to be true because Lena would never say that otherwise. And she thought maybe Bailey could have them for a while and she's just crying. We're all crying. Tibby is like, you can't give up, Mm. Bailey, please. And she's like, the pants already worked their magic. They brought us together. And I was like, oh my god. It's so sad. Oh my god. Bailey asks Tibby to finish the movie. And later that night, Tibby's mom gets the call that Bailey has passed away. So then we see Tibby and Brian grieving together. Tibby then starts looking through her footage and she finds a new tape. Mm-hmm. It's the one that Bailey made. And in it, Bailey talks about how, because like Tibby's documentary is about people being losers. Yeah. And she's like, there's a little bit of loser in everyone. Being happy isn't about perfection. It's about stringing together all the little things. This girl was so wise. Yeah. Back in Greece, Lena's packing her stuff to go home and she finds Bridget's letter under her bed. And she's like, fuck I never saw this. And she calls Carmen, fills her in. Carmen gets Tibby and they go over. So they bring the pants to Bridget. Bridget has not left her bed in days since she got back. She's totally withdrawn. Yeah. They order pizza. They talk about her mom. Bridget tells a story about how after one of her mom's episodes, they made this like crazy pizza and it was a fun memory. And then she thought that there weren't going to be any more bad spells. <laughs> Carmen says it's okay to miss her mother, and Bridget is like, it hurts too much. I just want to feel alive, because if I feel alive, it doesn't seem like my mom is dead. And if I'm not sad, it proves I'm not like her. And Carmen is like, you don't have to prove anything. You have so much strength, something that your mom couldn't find. And on top of everything, you have us. And the girls comfort her, and it's so sweet, and just like really is sisterhood it's so beautiful yeah i feel like watching this as a kid i never really fully understood the weight of bridget's storyline yeah the implications of like having a parent pass away especially due to suicide i can't even imagine yeah i just think it's like a very nuanced storyline that now that i'm older i feel like i can understand it so much more and like understand her character more Mm mm-hmm So in the morning, Bridget's dog licks her foot to wake her up, and then he, like, grabs the pants and, like, runs out of the house with them. So Bridget starts running after her dog. She turns the corner, and who's standing there with the dog and the pants? Eric. This will never happen in real life. (laughs) Never. Promise. So she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I want to talk to you. Like, what happened between us was my responsibility, and I should have known better. And she's like, well, I didn't exactly tell you to slow down, but I wanted it for all the wrong Mm -hmm. reasons. And everything that I was running from just caught up to me that much sooner than I thought it would. Which I think is like a very mature response. So mature. They're all so mature. Yeah. So they hug and they agree to be friends. And Eric is like, oh, when you're 20 and a huge soccer star, like you'll have to give me a chance. And she's like, deal. And then kisses him on the cheek and walks away and like, Clearly, mm-hmm. this big weight has been lifted. She's feeling better. Yeah, I think there's, like, because there's so much weight around women losing their virginity yeah. to do it and not feel totally sound in all of your decisions makes you feel like you've done something wrong, Yeah, which I think is, like, a total illusion that's, like, displaced on people, which really sucks. Like, it just, like, weighs so heftily. I think it's just 
really difficult to feel in almost any circumstance, honestly, to feel like, yes, this was a good idea when you're 16, 17 and just be like, I've made perfect sexual decisions. It's like such a fucking hit mentally. Yeah, totally. You're already insecure about everything because Mm -hmm. you're a person and then you're also a young person and then you're also a woman. So like, yeah, it's very difficult to navigate and one thing I'm really glad that Bridget has going for her is her friendships that are so strong and are able to provide that support. I think it's so clear to everyone watching, you know, especially because she doesn't have that from her family. Meanwhile, in Greece, Lena's leaving. She's saying goodbye to the whole village. She's back, you know, in the familial graces. Everything is good to go. Her papu leads her out on the donkey and we get one more line from him. He's like, I'll miss you. But it's so heartwarming. And then the girls wait for Lena at the airport. Lena comes out and she is like her new fit off, her curly hair. And the girls are like stoked to see her. And Lena apologizes for not coming home sooner. Like if she had seen the letter, she would be here. Yeah. And Lena's surprised that Carmen didn't go back for the wedding. And then the girls are like, surprise, surprise, bitch. We're going on a road trip. We're going to your father's wedding. You're not missing this. And um, Carmen is immediately pissed. But in the car, Lena shows them all the photos she took in Greece. And they're like, oh, my God, Costas is a babe. This is insane. Carmen's still incredibly pissed. Then Lena asks Tippy how her documentary turned out. And Tippy was like, it actually evolved. And I'm going to call it Bailey. And then Carmen cracks a smile for a moment. Yeah. So then they get to this random diner so Carmen can change for the wedding. And she's in the bathroom and she's like, no, I'm not going. I changed my mind. So then the girls all knock on the door and Bridget is like, you have to wear the jeans. They'll make you brave. And she's like, I'm not wearing jeans to my dad's wedding. <laughs> so the sensical answer. <laughs> yeah. And the girls are like, we're invoking rule number 11. In the event of an emergency, the pants must go to the one in need regardless of the schedule. And then Carmen begrudgingly agrees to wear jeans to the wedding. I love how the power of the jeans has permeated so much that it's like, wear the jeans. They will make you brave. They're otherworldly at this point. So the girls file into the wedding. They all sit in the back row. Krista walks down the aisle, of course, and so does Lydia in the floofiest, biggest plantation wedding gown I've ever seen. (laughs) Huge. Um, And the minister starts talking, but... Carmen's father interrupts and he's like there is one more person that should be up here so he walks up to Carmen and he asks her to stand up there with him and she gets up they hug she cries I cry we're all crying it's true they smile at each other and they go up there the ceremony continues they get married and we hear one last voiceover by Carmen wrapping it all up yeah And she says, it would be easy to say that the pants changed everything that summer. But looking back now, I feel like our lives changed because they had to. And that the real magic of the pants was in bearing witness to all of this. And in somehow holding us together when we felt like nothing would ever be the same again. Some things never would be. But we knew now that no matter how far we traveled on our own separate paths, somehow we would always find our way back to each other. And with that, we could get through anything. To us who we were and who we are and who we'll be to the pants and the sisterhood and this moment 
and the rest of our lives together and, and apart. apart. <sighs> and that's the end of the movie. It is. Wow. Truly a tumultuous journey. I think that I didn't expect mm-hmm. so many um, horrible things to happen to the girls. Like, I forgot <laughs> how tragic this movie is. Yeah, they definitely keep it extremely real. Yeah. It's not just like a fluffy teenage whatever movie. It's actually a great look at the complexities of young relationships, both like platonic and romantic. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot deeper than people give it credit for. Yeah, I think it's like really down to earth and you're immediately drawn in because I would say like the most out there storyline was like um, Tibby befriending a child who had leukemia. I feel like that's probably like the furthest from the realm of experience. Yeah. Like a woman randomly befriending a, a small child is out of the realm of experience or like typical experience rather. Mm-hmm. Um, Not that it's impossible, but having issues with your family, having issues with like losing your virginity, um, falling in love for the first time. Like I feel like those happen to a lot of people. Yeah. You don't see that narrative always being told um, from the perspective of a teenage girl. Yeah, I think it's a great movie for any teen, tween, girl, young adult, woman, whatever. You know, even being 24 now, I still get stuff from it. I think that the themes in the movie Mm -hmm. like permeate your older experiences as well because, you know, what happens to you when you're younger, it stays with you. And yeah, I think that really anyone watching it can get something from it. 100%. They're all so mature. I feel like they all managed to resolve the things that they got themselves into, whether it was, like, Lena figuring out how she felt about this guy and, um, like, standing up for her relationship or Bridget, like, kind of coping with not only having sex for the first time but, like, missing her mom a lot and dealing with, like, that grief. Carmen confronting her father. Tibby, you know, eventually going to the hospital. It's not like we end the movie without her visiting Bailey. Mm-hmm. So I can really appreciate the fact that all of the girls seem so, they seem so like wise and sage. Like <laughs> I was not like that when I was 16. Same. Oh my God. I was just like a young dummy navigating puberty. <laughs> it was a hard time. I feel like I was super loud when I was 16. Like, I would just be, like, like always fire back something and um, mm. stuff like that. But I was, like, quite scared and, like, unsure about a lot of things. Oh, same. 100%. Yeah. I feel like anyone who's 16 is, like, unsure about a lot of things. And if you're not, then you're ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> it's a It's a weird time in your life because everyone treats you like a child, but they still expect you to make a lot of adult yeah. decisions. Especially when you're, like, 17, 18 – you're going off to college and you have to make all these life-defining mm-hmm. choices, but you're still constantly infantilized. Yeah, that really sucks because I, especially like you said, going off to college or like you are at the point where you're graduating high school and it's like, I need you to at least treat me like an adult a little bit so that when I have these like yeah really hard moments where I have to make decisions, I either feel empowered to make them because I know that I have the capability mm-hmm. to or I can at least come to you and ask you for advice. But if you're like a really closed off parent, like your child doesn't feel comfortable coming to you right. for advice with like something that you might not be approving of. 
Yeah. And we can see that kind of relationship a little bit with Bridget and her dad, who's so withdrawn and closed off. I think he says like two sentences the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And the other night I rewatched the second one and he's still so closed off to her there too. And I'm like, this poor girl has no familial support system left. At least in the second one, she stays with like her grandma, right? Yeah. Her grandma's pretty nice. The grandma had been sending her letters for years and years, but the dad hid yeah. them from her. And that's insane. I was like, oh my God, you should not do that to your child. There's like a narrative like that in This Is Us too, where um, the mom hides these letters from... Oh, from Randall's uh, dad. Sterling, yeah. <laughs> and it's like that whole yeah. like hiding information narrative is like messy messy Mm -hmm. i can't think of a single instance where that has turned out well not one not one honesty is the best policy yeah i was actually watching love rosie the other day where another letter gets hidden and i'm like people stop hiding letters yeah thank god for cell phones illegal (laughs) it is male interference and it's legal (laughs) male fraud stop hiding letters yeah Support the U.S. postal system, everybody. Oh, God. Anyways, this movie is great. I loved watching it so much. Yeah, I just had a good time. I could. I feel like I could watch this movie today again. Just like one more round. Yeah. So shall we rate it up? Yeah, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Same. A solid yeah. 9. It feels so good to have a good movie oh, after, after the last two. two stinkers. Totally. I feel like... When I make the captions for posts, I'm like, so I am going to say something like edgy about this movie, but like, I don't know how well it'll be received. Yeah. So I can't tell if our audience is people our age or people like a little younger who would actually be like, I love Camp Rock. So let us know. I mean, I think that a lot of people do love Camp Rock, but are also like, yeah, this is bad. Whereas we really just went in on it. Yeah. Like we could fuck with. High School Musical 2, but Camp Rock was like... Although, after Camp Rock and Bride Wars, I think we really should have given High School Musical 2 a higher rating. You're right. I I didn't really notice how low the lows could go until we (laughs) saw Camp Rock and Bride Wars. Yeah. Our apologies to all the High School Musical 2 stands. We apologize. We'll be more thoughtful with our ratings. We apologize. forward. High School Musical 2 invented camp. True. Actually, Sharpay Evans invented camp. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I mean, we could talk about Sharpay all day. But anyways, thanks so much for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, Let us know what movies you would like to see in the future. Tell us your birth charts. Yes, please. You know, all of the above. Talk to us, please. I'm begging you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We're so lonely. You can follow us on Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can follow us on Twitter. It's MTRU underscore pod. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Put it on your Instagram story. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. Yeah. Call a friend. Tell them what you're up to. Listening to us, bitch. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Movies That Raised Us. We are Mo and Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye.